Hello and welcome to the Long Covid Physio Podcasts. My name is Darren Brown. I am a physiotherapist and I am living with Long Covid. And today we have a very special guest with us. We have Helen. Helen, please introduce yourself. Hello everyone. Um, My name is Helen and I'm an occupational therapist living with Long Covid. Um, And I work in neuro rehab. I'm quite relatively new to the world of neuro rehab. Um, but I guess that fits in with the story all quite well, actually. Um, so yeah, that's me. Ah, oh, and thank you so much for joining us on the Long Covid Physio podcast, because obviously as an occupational therapist, we're all rehab professionals. We've all got um, similar approaches in terms of our mm-hmm. practice and our thoughts and theories, even though we are different uh, professions. And I think it's so important that especially like as allied health professionals, mm-hmm. we can come together. So incredibly grateful for you for doing this today. So mm-hmm. thank you so mm-hmm. much. Thank you for having me and thanks again for everything that you're doing Darren and flying the flag for the AHPs and raising awareness like you're doing. Thank you we're we're all trying very hard aren't we at the moment. (laughs) Now Helen the the reason this came about was actually once again through social media through Twitter wasn't it because I did a little tweet about some spoons and then you (laughs) responded didn't you and since then we've kind of like had a little bit of a chat Mm -hmm. and we've caught up and and I I absolutely love all of this about our social media but I don't really know we don't know each other do we so I was wondering like I I live in London uh, and where, where are you based? Yes, I also live just on the outskirts of London, really. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah so local, local. But yeah, I think that's one of the things that's come about through this whole experience is the power of social media in a way. Because I think if it wasn't for social media, I think I'd be like, what, what on earth is going, going on with me, and what is wrong? Because that's how it's such a new thing. That's how I found out about it through other people's experiences, and it's nice to feel. Like, I remember when I first saw your story, actually, like an article a few months ago, um, and I read it and I was like, oh, my God, like, it's just like me. And it makes you feel less like, oh, it's not in my head. Like, this is a real thing happening to other people and getting that validation, I guess. Yeah, that's that's actually been something that's really driven me as well in terms of wanting to connect with people and wanting to also hear other people's stories because mm. it is really validating isn't it to know that you're not going absolutely mental that you <laughs> this isn't in my head <laughs> like, it's so long like it's, oh it's not in my head it's not in my head um yeah so yeah social media has its flaws definitely but also like we'll think of the positives I guess Oh my God. Yeah. It's a real balancing act, isn't it? Like I've, I've, I've said this a number of times recently that kind of like, you know, um, Twitter is fab, but also use the same word of flawed because there can just be a lot of, um, a lot of, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, well, like a tidal wave of information that's just like wow but there's a lot of kindness that can come out of it as well and hopefully this is a lovely example of that um so Helen I was wondering would you do the honor of Mm -hmm. sharing with us your story of living with long COVID Mm -hmm. yeah um so I first started my initial COVID symptoms in March March the 22nd um I think and one day after me I was the 21st really oh yeah um and I think I was okay in the morning from what I remember I was fine in the morning then in the afternoon I just felt so exhausted I'd had a day where I just wanted to sort things out and have a clean 
and you know sometimes in that process you end up just making even more of a mess than you started with and I remember sort of just lying on my floor like with all this mess but I don't have the energy now to sort this all out and put it away um and then yeah I didn't feel great and then I started to get a temperature um you know achy sore throat and so I'd only just started um my new job so I was two weeks into my dream my dream job in neuro rehab oh, um, luckily for the same trust so I did sort of know people but also with that thought like oh no like I'm gonna have to bring in sick like it's not a great first impression but you know pandemic wise I'm sure they'll understand which obviously they did um and then yeah so for about had a temperature on and off for about two weeks um and then yeah sorry my mind's gone blank that might happen quite a lot during this well it's one of the symptoms <laughs> isn't it the old brain fog is there <laughs> I can't think of words um yeah so then a couple of days later I lost my taste lost my smell um and then the other thing that started that hasn't really ever gone away is just feeling really lightheaded oh, yeah. like pretty much every time I stand up and move um yeah. So yeah, and I remember towards the end of the first week, my temperature had stopped and I was like, oh, like, hopefully I can go to work on Monday. But then it started again over the weekend. So I didn't, obviously. So I think I was off sick for about two weeks. And then during that time, unfortunately, the unit where I worked closed and we were all redeployed. So when I went back to work, I was redeployed back to like our sister hospital. Um, but again, luckily, I was redeployed back to the ward I'd just left like two weeks ago. Um, so it was it was fine. Um, but I still remember my first day, like getting to work and then obviously like getting changed. Like obviously we don't go in uniform, you have to go and get changed. And I remember getting changed and thinking, oh, God, like, I don't know if this was a bit too soon, because obviously the, that's the most I'd ever done like in in that two weeks, like getting up, having breakfast getting ready for work, driving to work, and then getting changed. Like when I think of that now, that is, that's a lot. Um, but anyway, sort of stayed at work, obviously, sort of ignored, ignored how I was feeling. Um, and then I was okay for a few weeks. I just felt a bit tired, um, but then just thought, you're always a bit tired when you haven't been very well anyway. And then mm. with all the changes at work, like obviously it was a bit of a, a mad time, um, working differently, working with different teams. Um, I just put it all down to that everyone everyone at work's tired really um, but then I'd say probably May June time uh, like not we I was gonna say weird things started to happen um, I would just have like again the lightheadedness would sort of come back so I'd be feeling a bit lightheaded had a headache that shouldn't go away um, I was getting like palpitations my chest would be feeling tight but I was like, oh, you know, it's quite warm. It's hay fever. Um, oh, you know what? It's probably migraine. Like sometimes when I get migraines, I feel a bit dizzy. Mm -hmm. Although I remember thinking, although it doesn't really feel like a migraine, but as far as I'm concerned, it was it was a migraine. Um, and yeah. And then also I was thinking, I feel really lightheaded on the ward and like a bit like jelly legs sort of thing. But like no one seems to be noticing. So I must be fine. Mm. Um, and yeah, I didn't just didn't really tell anyone how I was feeling. Then I thought, oh, it might, oh maybe it's my sinuses. It's affecting my ears. <laughs> um, so I spoke to the doctor, 
and GP like gave me some antibiotics for my sinuses but then I still felt lightheaded but then for some reason I was like oh it's the antibiotics it's the antibiotics even, even though like, I've been on the antibiotics for two days and I've been feeling like this for like a month <laughs> it's definitely the antibiotics um so yeah so I phoned the GP again um and sort of just carried on until there was just it was just getting more and more difficult to ignore what was happening um I would literally feel like I'm about to faint most of the time um so yeah quite quite difficult to be working on a stroke ward and doing your rehab when you're feeling so like you're about to fall on the floor um and then one day I was just walking on the ward and it was the ward clerk I think just called me over and was like are you okay and obviously I'm like yeah I'm, I'm fine I'm fine and they were like no you're not you're not um so they did all my obs and everything and my blood pressure was really really high um which it never has been before so the doctors were really good they sort of checked me over but then obviously I was, I was sent home to which I think I remember being like really like you want me to go home um they were like yes um so I was off sick for about two weeks and I think that was probably my first proper crash so that was in July um and it was awful like when I always think of July as just like this awful time I remember lying in bed just feeling absolutely terrible and being like like to the point do I like do I need to go to A&E like I don't know if I should go to A&E like but then thinking oh I've been checked over if there was anything that bad it would have come up on that so um so yeah signed off for two weeks then went back to work um I didn't do a phased return um which I regret um but I was put on sort of lighter duties and I stayed that way until quite recently actually so then in September my unit I went back to my unit it was all open and everything but then in November I crashed again um because of my difficulty with pacing, I think, which I know that we're going to get to. Um, and yeah, so I did, so I was off sick for about three weeks then. It was the same reason, just feeling really, really lightheaded um, and fatigue. Um, and then I've been on a phased return ever since. So it's my last week of the phased return this week. So yeah. we will see. So yeah. So it's been a real roller coaster for you then really, hasn't mm -hmm. it? And yeah. there, there's so much there that really resonates with me and I'm sure with many others, like in terms of the feeling like you could go back to work, but was it right after the acute episode? And then the kind of episodic, multidimensional and unpredictable nature of the preceding yeah. months and yeah. and also not knowing what it was. Yeah. And that's been so frequently reported by so many people kind of not attributing this to long COVID because no one knew what long COVID was. Yeah. So I think it was only, it was a, when I was first sent home, it was a doctor that was like, oh, this could be like, maybe this is to do with COVID. Um, and I was like, it hadn't even entered my mind that it was anything to do with COVID. Um, and then when I went home, I think I must have seen um, like an article or something and it was had different people I think there was a physio and a doctor all saying they'd returned to work but were still feeling breathless and feeling really tired and I was a bit like oh and then I heard about the um, the long Covid support group like the general one on Facebook and I went on there and I was just like wow like these people are going through what I'm going through and oh okay like I feel less mad now like it's not <laughs> like me like okay 
other people are going through this and yeah I don't and I think even once when I spoke to my GP she was like oh could it be stress and you know anything well it it could be stress like it's a very stressful time but I've dealt with stress before and haven't haven't felt this terrible um but you just you just go around in circles don't you and I think because it is such a new thing Mm. nobody knows anything you don't really have much to go on apart from other people's experiences absolutely and I think one of the things that's also been so useful is um, other people with other chronic health conditions that are coming out as huge allies because they don't want the same thing to happen to us that have happened to them but also so that we can learn from their lived experiences like you were talking there about um, challenges with dizziness and blood pressure and um, and that that's something that's been described with certain symptoms that people with ME and CFS have experienced you know with like dysautonomia and POTS and um, so there's loads that we can learn from those uh, from other conditions but we don't know if it is the same or not the same and whether the symptoms are the same or not but it's so important that we learn from those areas um, and hopefully whatever we learn in our context of living with this health condition can translate to others as well. Um, but yeah, it sounds like it's been a real roller coaster for you and, and peer support has been invaluable. Yeah, it's been huge, I think. Um, like I said before, like if it wasn't for social media, I wouldn't have a clue what was, I dread to think actually, I'm trying to think what would I have done in this time after denying it for so long, I don't know. But um, yeah, it's been really good. And then just even my, obviously being an OT, a lot of my friends are like allied health professionals and everything and having their support and their advice has been great and also I'm just very lucky like my colleagues have been so supportive of me um and sort of tell me off quite a lot of work at work um because I've just it's so hard when you are feeling when you are having a better day you just want to do more but then but yeah the whole boom and bust thing and it just and it's so unpredictable like one minute I could be feeling fine and then ask me an hour later and like I'm feeling really woozy and tired and trying to pretend that I'm not because I've just told you I feel fine and it just seems a bit strange if now I'm like oh actually I don't feel great at all so I sort of got to that point when people ask me how I am like I feel a bit hesitant to answer in some <laughs> way <laughs> I don't to be honest I don't know it changes so quickly yeah. and it's just so hard and when you look fine like I look fine even when I'm really lightheaded and feeling like I'm about to faint I don't think anybody can really tell no so yeah it's just really difficult isn't it and that beautifully segues into kind of like our hot topic of today yeah. isn't it which is navigating pacing because obviously as allied health professionals, and particularly for you as an occupational therapist, I'd imagine this is kind of like your bread and butter, isn't it? However, like navigating it's a different thing, isn't it? Yes. So, yeah, I guess, yeah, pacing. So I've just been saying, look, I know as an OT all the things that I should be doing and all the things that I would tell people to do. And even my friends, like when my friends have been off sick, like recently with COVID, I'm like, you know, don't you know, don't rush back to work. Don't go back until you're 100%. You're still feeling a little bit tired. Just don't go back. And it's like, why can't I? Like, I'm telling everyone else to do it, but I can't do it physically. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, yeah, it's just practice what you preach, I guess. Yeah. Um, that, that's that been 
do you know what? That's probably been one of the biggest hurdles for me. Um, I, so my, my clinical background is uh, in, in the context of HIV and cancer. And so both of those healthcare conditions ha have experiences of fatigue. And it's, it's, it's actually different fatigue to what we're experiencing because our, our fatigue can sometimes, I don't know about you, but my fatigue can be exacerbated by exertion. Yes. And so obviously the management approaches are different. Um, so, uh, uh, but pacing is still a concept that's used across the board in all the different types of fatigue. Um, but I know that for me, I found it so challenging with pacing and getting excitable when I yes. feel well, because I'm desperate to carry on. Yes, yes. So I would say, so I had an appointment with a respiratory consultant a few weeks ago, which again, I think that's just helped with lots of aspects of my journey, I guess. Um, but he started me on an inhaler. Oh, great. And I was a bit... I think I didn't expect to feel that much of a difference with it. I don't really know. I don't know why I didn't. Or maybe also I try very hard not to get my hopes up at the moment. Um, but then also clearly drop that as well when I start to feel a kind of bit, um, you know, better. So the first time I took the inhaler, I mean, I think, I think just A, my body just wasn't very used to it when I took it. And it made me like sky high, like like a bit manic I would oh, say really? I took it in the morning before going to work um and I was driving <laughs> I was driving to work <laughs> I nearly cried because I thought oh my god like I feel I feel so good I feel like me like I wanted to just stop my car like sod driving to work I'm gonna run <laughs> like forest gum like I messaged all of my friends like I'm cured like this guy's amazing uh, yeah um, and I sort of let that run away with me a bit. So it has, it's obviously it's helped with breathlessness and it's helped, it's made things a bit easier. But then the other side of that is because everything feels a bit easier, I'm sort of then not, not pacing as much and doing more and then having a massive fallout afterwards. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess, cause I did feel a little bit better. I got my hopes up a bit um, over the weekend thing. Oh, I can go to work and say, you know what? Like I'm, I'm fine now. And because I am with this new team who are lovely and great, but I feel like they don't really know the, they don't know the real me. They don't know the me before I had COVID. Um, they only know like the ill Helen and, you know, so I was like, oh, I'm so excited. Like I'm not going to have to deal with all of that and worry about letting them down anymore. So then to then crash again and be like, oh, actually, <laughs> you know, it hasn't completely changed my life. It's helped, but it isn't the answer to all of the problems. Like I found that quite hard, actually. Yeah. I mean, it go quite low, I think, because I just thought this was it. Um, but I'm feeling a lot more positive about things now. And I think the new year and everything's helped too. Like, obviously, I didn't really expect to be taking all of this with me into the new year. Like, you know, like yourself being ill in March. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought we'd still be going through it now. Um, but I, I think it's sort of trying to take more control over it what things can I do to make it easier and what are the positives so if I can take anything from it and then I don't become a better OT out of it and put things into practice then that's better than just sort of moping about it and oh why has this happened and it's not very nice sort of thing yeah. so just uh, <laughs> that, that, that approach of 
of um, focusing and centering optimism mm. is is really difficult, um, but but incredibly valuable. Um, mm. What sort of things have you been able to focus on in terms of that optimism? Yeah. Oh, in terms of the optimism. Yeah. I think part of where that came from as well is having that appointment with the consultant. And actually, again, it's part of the validation, isn't it? So he was the, you know, first doctor I've seen sort of face to face. And, you know, there is stuff to work on. I was sort of, again, trying not to get my hopes up. I thought, oh, he'll probably just, you know, say, sorry, I can't help you. Um, You're discharged and, you know, never never see him again. Um, But obviously I've got the inhaler and then there's, like he's referred me to cardiologist as well because of oh, all the going on. Um, so yeah, so I guess that validation helps me think. Okay, again, it's not in my head. So what? And I think being I am naturally a control freak anyway. So I think just trying to find things that I can control um, is going to help. And I think just having with the inhaler as well is sort of it's helped that but it's helped me think a bit clearer like I don't I don't feel as much of a zombie like I would say literally from March to when I got my inhaler a couple weeks ago I was a complete zombie it's like I've woken up do you know what there are go on sorry carry on oh no no no. like so I just can't really it's literally like before the lights were on but nobody was really at home and people would be talking to me and to be honest like I'd be trying to listen, but I have no idea what, what people are saying. I can't take it in. Yeah. Even like reading notes, like I have to just read it so many times for the words to actually go in and to process them and understand them. Um, and I remember once even adding up, I'd done a cognitive assessment, um, adding up all, <laughs> adding up all the little like different domains and then trying to come up with scoring it. It took like one of my friends was in a not in a nice way. I was going to say she was laughing at me, but um. Because every time I added it up, I came up with a different number. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was so frustrating. Um, I did get there in the end, obviously. And I did have it all checked as well. Just yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> um, <Covering> again. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I guess just... And just thinking about advice I give to people... And just like saying, oh, yeah, you know, you need to pace, you need to do, you know, three P's, plan, prioritize. It's so easy to say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> very hard to do. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And Completely. that's sort of how we got talking about spoons and things like that. <laughs> I never thought much about spoons. Oh, so. my God. OK, so like, we're going to have to come back to spoons because I've got a lot to talk about with spoons. I, I, <laughs> but I wanted to just uh, comment on a couple of things you said. Yeah. So first, you mentioned about validation and how important that is and how that's been something that's helped you remain optimistic. I can completely echo that. Like I was referred to uh, cardiology mm-hmm. and pretty much throughout most of my experiences I've had a fantastic GP and I haven't had really any healthcare professionals that have not have invalidated my experiences but I've had no one validate my experiences there was lots of yeah sounds like it could be or yeah there was lots of we don't know whereas my appointment with the cardiology team um, was the first time that someone actually said yep we're hearing this that's what's going on and we're going to refer you for this test this test this test this test even if they come back with nothing 
mm-hmm. want to make sure there's nothing else okay. going on yeah. and then figure out where to go from there. And I had gone into that appointment expecting to have to be really defensive and have to <laughs> like having to like advocate for my needs. Like I'd actually kind of like wrote it all down on a piece of paper so that I didn't forget what I needed to say. Like my, my, my key points, like referral checklist. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't need to use it. Because no. the doctor validated me and it, I, I came out and cried. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so meaningful, isn't it? It's just so meaningful. Um, and yeah, I'm the same as you. So I haven't really had anyone invalidate my experience. But again, because it's so new, it's just been like, oh, you know, we don't, we don't know what it is, which is obviously absolutely fine. I know they don't know, but what, what, what are we going to do? Um, so yeah, it's a huge thing. I yeah. think. And something else that I think is also showing that it's important to practice, even if you can, you know, even, I mean, I'd hope that I would never invalidate anyone's experience, but just making it really obvious that I am like, I believe them, I, I'm advocating for them and just making that sort of even more obvious than hopefully I already do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause and it that- just makes such a difference. And I suppose that comes back into what you were saying about hoping that this can advance your own practice um, and and help you provide kind of a much more, even more human approach to to clinical practice and care. Um, Yeah, I also wanted to come back onto the thing you said about the steroid, I'm presuming it's a steroid inhaler. Yeah, Uh, the steroid inhaler that's kind of lifted things for you. I must admit, like, I haven't had... I haven't really had any respiratory mm. symptoms. Like I get breathless when I have extreme fatigue, um, yeah. but that's just someone's turned the lights off. So I, everything doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, but I, oh, what was my point? Um, I've had a couple of like moments where like I've had the fog lift mm. and uh, one of them was taking a, a, a couple of supplements. Like I took one coenzyme Q10, like after four weeks of taking that, it was literally like a cloud kind of lifted off my head. And I was like, I can think. <laughs> but I actually really also wonder if it's about the ongoing lasting implications of the post-exertion malaise mm. and how long that impacts our, our cognitive ability as well as the overwhelming fatigue so it's interesting isn't it that there it, it it it's still really difficult to navigate with that um and that comes back into the 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 boom bust and the pacing and everything else in between like i was wondering like the realities of pacing is so difficult to navigate like one of the things that's been commented a couple of times is about pacing at work and how difficult that is because especially when you're a healthcare professional working in the midst of a global pandemic in London in the second wave all of this like that there ain't no pacing is there no you can't you just have you've got to do what you need to do at that time I think and I'm already thinking I don't know it's hard I think sorry trying to get words um <laughs> the brain fog's really gone um, <laughs> brain fog is present <laughs> yeah I think it's you don't want to let people down you want to you know pull your weight off your team and I think as well again like I was saying before my team don't know me before so I don't want to be and I know they I know for a fact they don't see me like this at all but I don't want to be seen as like oh like work shy wimpy weak Helen over there like do you know what I mean but I want to I want to do my best like I'm new to neuro rehab it's like my dream job I want to get stuck in I want to learn I want to get you know I want to improve and it's just 
it, which makes all of this even more frustrating that like I want to I want to do my job to the best that I can do it but but I can't um and like to pace that work like yeah like you're saying if you've got a ward full of patients that need to be seen and need like I can't you know it's very hard to be like oh what you know what needs to be done today um you know like oh you know I'm here I'm here now I'll just see them it doesn't make you know an hour more it's not going to make that much of a difference like do you know what I'm, it's yeah it is it's just it's incredibly difficult basically really and you want in rehab you want the best out of your patients so like to push them as well like yeah it's just like mixed messages all around I guess it really is. And, and often that's kind of the internal um, battle that we're having, isn't it? Which is we know what we're telling people to do, pace, yeah. uh, plan, prioritise, be precautious on certain yeah. activities like exertion. And yet we want the best for our careers and our patients and our teams and the organisation that we work for in responding to the pandemic. Yeah. And that is where the battle is, which is how do you navigate or how do we navigate mm. pacing what's best for our health mm. and wanting to do things because they're actually meaningful to us? Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a big question. Um, <laughs> and there might not be answers. You don't need to answer it. <laughs> um, so I think... I try to just look at what I've been saying to my friends that haven't been very well with COVID recently and like trying to tell what I'm, if try to think of it as if, if, if it was a friend coming to me and I knew they were feeling how I felt or a patient feeling how I felt or a colleague, like what, what would I tell them? What would I tell them to do? What advice would I give them? Because it's probably actually completely different to what I'm actually doing is what is what I'm finding. Um, and it is just about putting yourself, first and looking after yourself and really I think even if I'm at work and what they've told me a number of times obviously during my phase return like as long as I'm there even a little bit it's better than me like crashing and then having to you know not be there at all again mm -hmm. so and sort of just finding other ways to get around everything we need to do so could I help someone with admin while maybe they go and do a bit of clinical stuff for me um and things like that so but it's just hard for me to, I guess, ask for that. I'm a bit of a people, bit of a people pleaser. Um, so it's a bit like, yeah. So I've needed lots of reassurance and prompting from them, which they're very good at. But I'm trying to make it my New Year's resolution that I will be more, actually, no, I can't, like, I need to change my day. Like, I need a bit more help with this. I'm not having a good day. Because I'm even thinking, so we allocate sort of, the day before so when we left the other day we've already planned our day for tomorrow and I already know that what I've put down for tomorrow is probably quite a lot and quite a lot considering it's a Monday and I have the rest of the week to get through so my plan is and this can be video evidence um <laughs> and I say like I need to change my day and that would be a massive step for me that would be yeah. huge so yeah and, and not an easy point to get to for so many different factors. Because um, like I know for me, I think it's, it's actually accepting that you are functioning at a different level. And getting to that point of acceptance yeah. is, 
it is it, is part of this difficulty with navigating pacing isn't it because mm-hmm. you have to accept it to then say right I can't do that and that's exactly it so I'd say I'd say I've been in denial <laughs> pretty much this whole time <laughs> apart from maybe mid-December I think when I started to just accept that like this is happening and I've got to make changes because mm. otherwise it's just going to p- keep being this crazy roller coaster that you know I'm, I'm not particularly enjoying very much. Oh, it's not fun, <laughs> is it? <laughs> um, and yeah, and if I want to get better, then I am going to have to start like asking for help, basically. And it's okay to ask for help. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that's another big thing because as well, like I've been talking to my friends a lot, and then sometimes I think like, oh. You know, when you just feel like, like, oh, actually, I've messaged them quite a lot. Like, I'm probably boring them to tears. Like, and I know I'm not. Like, my friends, I love, well, I hope I'm not. Um, but, you know, they're lovely. And I'm sure they don't feel that at all. Mm. Um, but you just need to. And I think because, like, obviously, we're in tier four, we can't do anything. So all we can do is sort of just sit and, like, think about, oh, like, why is this happening? And what's causing this? And, you know, with nothing to go on mm. either, which I think I found quite difficult but I think it's also thinking of rest as an activity oh 100% yes so which I think I've thought this whole time like resting I just feel you know and also like you know I'm putting on weight because I can't you know can't move much I mean I am I'm enjoying just the headshot here (laughs) I do not want to see below here right now like there is nothing pretty going on (laughs) isn't it and then it's just yeah like, and I want to do things. I remember, like, again, I mean, this months ago now, like, on days where I did feel good. But, so I felt good. Did a hit workout. <laughs> How did that go for you? I paid, I paid for it for quite a long time. Bashed it. Yeah, yeah totally broken. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it, isn't it? Oh, my God. Like, I, I totally have done that. I was feeling a little bit better and I thought I know what I'll do I'll do a short duration of exercise with hopefully (laughs) the best output and I did like four minutes equivalent of like a hit session and it totally broke me for like a week (laughs) it's like there was no thinking was there at all like you you know that if someone had asked you to do it you would have said oh my god that's the worst no. idea ever but at yeah. the time you're in it because you're like I need to be able to do that because I'm getting fat and I feel lazy and I, I'm feeling good Use <laughs> the moment and like even like walking so like I went through a phase of like going just for a walk around the block like really short walk then again like if I'm with my again you can only meet people outdoors and like go for, go for walks um and like you just don't want to be that I can even tell like, when I've walked with like two of my, you know, super fit physio friends, like I can tell they're walking like painfully slow for me, which is lovely, but you just feel like, and I used to, I used to walk a lot and be quite a, quite a quick, fast paced walker. So now I'm like, it's just not, you know, like, again, it's worrying more about everybody else rather than mm-hmm. me. And like, even a couple of weeks ago, I met a friend for a walk. And again, I was feeling quite good, but literally as soon as I got out of my car, walked across the car park I was like oh god like I feel so lightheaded um still continued to go for a walk didn't tell her that like you know I'm literally like looking at oh 
if I faint, maybe if like if we're over there, I might be able to hold on to this and I won't fall on the floor. Like looking like, should we sit down? Should we have a sit down? Um, and it's just when when will I learn? When will I learn? But I'm hoping now I have learned. Um, and like just to not to push it. So again, we've walked around the block, like, okay, that went okay. So I'll go further next time, then I'll go further, and then no. And that was at a time where I wasn't at work. So it's also, if I'm at work, then I sort of, I can't really do anything else apart from rest because I have to rest to be able to go to work. Yeah. Um, and even like, acti like activities, so like reading, I might try that again. I did try to read more in summer, but again, I just found it so difficult because of like the attention and actually it's quite cognitively demanding. Yes, very much. It's not rest, is it? No, no. Well, yeah, no, it's not rest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and like same, like I did like cross stitch a bit, but that's the same. Like you have to pay quite a lot of attention to that. And there's this one thing. Have you heard of diamond art or diamond painting? No, what's that? So it's a bit like colour. No, I mean they're not real diamonds. Oh, okay. <laughs> they're more like. Um, Sort of like little bead sequin things and they're different colours oh, yeah. match up the number and then you like stick them on the number and it makes this nice pattern. But I would so I started doing that, but then I would always notice that the next day I'd be really, really woozy. Mm. And it happened sort of each time I did it. So I was like, oh, maybe that's it's a trigger. Yeah. So yeah. I can't do that. So I pretty much just binge watch easy to watch things on Netflix really that's all I can do at the moment yeah um, so like not only is there for in terms of like navigating pacing it not only is there the challenge of accepting uh your current functional capacity mm -hmm. there's also prioritizing yourself and yeah. and with that being kind to yourself which is actually really quite difficult to do um anyway and then also recognizing limitations even if they are things that we actually really want to do or are, are meaningful to us and therefore trying to rechannel that energy into something else like I know this has been a theme that's actually come up in both the previous podcasts with Sue and Daria about I can't do the things I want to do but I want to have an output yeah. um, for people that for different people that's different things I know for me it's it's I, I really value productive outputs um and maybe that's why I'm putting my energy at the minute into these podcasts because for me that's meaningful <laughs> but, but yeah it's 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 really difficult to navigate and I know I've I've personally found it quite difficult to hear people say oh yeah just avoid the boom and bust yeah just pace like, yeah just pace yeah it's, it's easy it's right <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's really hard um and even like was it Daria's podcast she mentioned like having a seat in the shower and things like that and I must admit um <laughs> I thought about it haven't haven't done it um but I was like just doing things like sitting like when I dry my hair and things like sitting down um also if I am like washing my hair, drying my hair, things like that. Also then trying not to do that much else because it is actually quite a lot. Mm. Um, the other thing I thought like food shopping is also a big thing. So I would always feel, I was a bit, 
this is like in July when I was in complete and utter denial. Um, it's like, oh, every, every time I go to Sainsbury's, like I feel really funny in Sainsbury's. Like, and I'm sure it's not anything to do with Sainsbury's. It's, you know, other supermarkets are out there and I'm sure they'd have the same effect. But I think it's just because of when you think about the task of shopping, it's actually quite a lot, isn't it? Yeah. And also like, obviously you know as health as as allied health professionals we've probably told more than a few people in our time to consider online food shopping online as a food conservation shopping. strategy yeah well that doesn't work when you can't get a slot when you well enough to do it online <laughs> i know i know and then it's like i think with the whole pacing thing as well and i think that's why i'm actually glad that i put i tweeted the other day when i saw your things i think as well it's just another thing i've sort of been beating myself up about and thinking you know I'm an OT like oh I'm, I'm even a rubbish OT now like I can add that to the long list of everything that is sort of <laughs> <laughs> and it's like why am I doing like why am I being so harsh like but it's actually just really hard and even things like so I did go through a spate of having quite a lot of hospital appointments like pretty much a couple of times a week and even that is so is so tiring and even like I don't, I'm, I'm actually under the hospital that I used to work at. So I don't even have like the added stress of I don't know where anything is or anything. But even that is like a huge thing mm. like, and activity, I guess. Um, and just, yeah, just everything when you break it down is actually a pretty big, big deal. And it's so much, there's so much more behind just pace. Like, yeah. I know I'm not being very helpful at coming up <laughs> with a solution. Um, no, but this is it, isn't it? This is like, I suppose that the whole point of this conversation isn't necessarily to educate people on pacing. It's to talk about the reality of um, actually it's difficult to do because even though we know it, we've taught it, we've we've lived it for so long in terms of our careers, actually navigating it on the day-to-day -day is much more challenging. Um, like I, I, I was thinking of a really simple example that I experienced recently, which is... Um, I was, uh, I'd finished my phase return to work and I was at work and there was one day uh, where I was the only person in my team and normally there's three of us and uh, uh, I, I didn't think much of it because I thought, do you know what? I'm back to full-time work now, I'll be okay. I've done this a million times before. I was effectively three people carrying three people's phones. And by the end of the day, I felt like I was about to crash hard yeah. because the phones didn't stop and it was the phones that were doing it it wasn't seeing the patients it wasn't walking around the hospital yeah, yeah. It was the endless navigation of answering the phones and yeah. fielding questions and thinking about who I'm talking to next that just totally took me and, and again, it's all things that you can't plan so like with your actual like for me like my inpatient case so I can plan that but sort of similar to you on Friday sort of with like phone calls and things like that and things you're not expecting like oh, well, I, well I didn't I didn't plan that's not in my plan so, <laughs> it's really it's really really difficult really difficult. it is it is and and that's I, I, and with that then it even makes it so much more challenging to prioritize what what you're going to plan and pace because yeah you don't want to have to prioritize just getting washed and dressed that day or going to and from work yeah. even in tier four where we can't do anything outside of our homes you know and, I mean, yeah but you would think with tier four that actually oh like pacing should be really easy because you can't do anything but it's it's not you know imagine if ever, in a way I was sort of relieved as well like 
there's no there's no pressure to go out at the moment and like see people mm. which you know as much you know I miss my family I miss my friends but the fact that I don't have that added pressure of like oh like do I go I don't again I don't want to let them down I don't want to cancel I don't have that at the moment so yeah. you know COVID <laughs> so but I suppose we are left with our thoughts, aren't we? And we're sat indoors and, and that's another exertion. <laughs> and trying to tone that down. Um, yeah. But I think it's also, I guess it's just a need for understand. I guess it goes back to the whole understanding everything, doesn't it? And I think the fact that it is such a new thing, you know, when will it all end? And like, just trying to find anything you can to sort of relate mm. to and put mm. it to your experience, I guess is hard but I that's another thing I'm trying to tone down a bit because it is cognitively demanding which is then it is firing and we've heard this from many of our patients in the past haven't we how cognitively demanding living with a chronic health issue is and you know I'm sure there are many people that out there that might hear these things and go we've we've kind of lived this for a long time and been saying it and and for us I suppose that the interesting thing is for us it's new because we are now living it um yeah. and not denying any of those previous experiences but but it's still new for us uh, yeah terms of that navigation and even though we we can maybe understand those symptoms from the past living it new is is new <laughs> still completely new and like when I think like did, if you told me this time last year um you know that I'd end 2020 like under a cardiology team and a respiratory team like I would have been like mm-hmm. what are you talking about and even like sometimes when you see you know like on Facebook and things it comes up like oh on this day like two years ago or something so I remember that was another quite um not big moment but sort of a realization moment of oh maybe I do need to accept what's happening because I did a skydive a couple of years ago oh wow you're a better person than me I couldn't do that that would scare the life out of me I can't jump out of a plane <laughs> I really recommend it um and I remember it like flashed up on my phone and like the photos and the videos and I just looked at it and it was it was like looking at um like a completely different person Mm. like I don't like I don't relate to this person anymore obviously at the moment there's no way I would you know I can't even walk up and down the stairs like I'm not gonna jump out of a plane um so yeah just that massive change I guess do you know what yeah. I did on New Year's Eve? So I, I was I was sat in my flat on my own on New Year's Eve, like I was on Christmas Day, because I was following the guidelines and I live on my own. So I was stuck in my flat. And um, on New Year's Eve, I decided to repeat what I did last year, which is my top nine of Instagram. And yeah. oh, that was a very disappointing square of pictures. <laughs> <laughs> 2019 was a very different set of nine yeah. pictures to 2020 and uh, that was not shared anywhere this year <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm glad I didn't I did see people's and I actually admired some people's that they actually had nine moments that they could share yeah um, I have no idea what I could have yeah no I'm glad I didn't try yeah <laughs> oh dear like if you was um Helen to have a key message that you wanted to get out to people uh, or for people to take away from this in terms of navigating pacing what what would be your key message uh my key message probably like rest is an activity Hmm. um and I did see it on twitter as well and I was like oh yeah that's good um 
rest before you think you need to rest um which I think is helpful for me because I always think oh I feel a bit better so let me do that where I actually know no like I feel a bit better so keep trying to stay better and that would be by like more rest as frustrating as it is um and then I think again like saying if it was if someone if you knew that your friend or a patient or anyone was feeling this way what would your advice be to them because I think quite often we're kinder to other people than we actually are to ourselves and I think yeah, yeah you need to look after yourself to keep going and sort of not to worry about letting other people down because you need to look after yourself um, yeah. that's the most important thing oh wow they're really nice messages actually that's that's not only kind but also important uh, so thank you well I know I'm gonna oh what's happening with my thing it's saying something about my microphone can you still hear me uh <laughs> as I flash up on my screen um I I know that I've learned a lot from this um and I think mm -hmm. mostly that's around accepting that if I get it wrong it's mm -hmm. okay I can keep trying and keep trying again and it doesn't matter um because I'm not trying to impress anyone else I just need to try and get through it uh so I want to say thank you for that because that's helped me come to that realization as well uh so thank you um but unless there's anything else that you wanted to share I I, I was very happy to say I think we've come to a really nice conclusion so, I think that's quite nice. And I think it is a bit like trial and error. It is. That was another thing. Yeah. Just, yeah. just working out what does and what doesn't work for you. And again, I know that's really hard, but I think that's the way to try and do it. Yeah. And it kind of fits into the, the challenges then with the boom bust cycles, doesn't it? Because, it, yeah. you know, that trial and error is important, but also is, is, is at the risk of finding out what your limitations are. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, well, Helen, I want to say thank you again for coming onto the podcast today and being our first OT, uh, which is amazing. Yeah. And we're we're really hoping that actually maybe this podcast can have more health professionals and other people, including our allies, yeah. um, that will come and speak yeah. with us. So um, hopefully, it's a really good opportunity. So thank you very much again. Um, and uh, thank you. that's all right. Thank you very much. And